Testing, testing. It's on. One, two, one, two. Microphone checker. Microphone wrecker. Microphone picker, picker. <laughs> Alright, let's give this a shot. What is life? What does it mean to heal? I'm a human. Hello, hello? Anybody there? Why are we here? What does this mean? Let's figure it out together. That's fun. Just to come play. Play in the podverse. What are we doing? This is the Turning of the Bones podcast. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of the Turning of the Bones podcast. Happy spring to you all. I hope that, uh, yeah, I hope you're enjoying all the blooming that's happening here in the Northern Hemisphere. All the life, the green is coming back. It has been just a really lovely week here. The trees are budding. You can see them out the window in the windy wild. It is incredibly windy here today. I don't know if uh, that will affect the sound at all, but I will try to stay calm, even, centered inside of this tumultuous tempest that is happening outdoors. (laughs) How y'all doing? Welcome, you wandering Williams, you saffronic Salvadors, you dippily doodly dandies uh, how y'all doing today I hope y'all are well yeah it's it's spring it's so nice I it's just got that that buzz in the air you know I I realized this week that I needed to retire not retire put on pause I don't know about y'all but I've had a, a pandemic it's it's been a a, a pandemic style <clears throat> um and surprisingly enough it doesn't involve sweatpants except for in the evenings but i've been basically wearing black car hearts black t-shirts black sweatshirts with a jacket for two years straight <laughs> i think that it was like it was easy you don't really have to wash black it kind of reflected the state of things I don't know it was it wasn't like a, a conscious choice I just it, it became apparent that that's what I was wearing for quite a while there you know here and there I'd spruce it up and wear a dress and throw on something colorful but for the most part I was locked into a pretty bland stylistic palette and if you know me you know that I like style that's uh, one thing that I absolutely adore about skateboarding is the evolution of styles both in the skating and the apparel I love fashion anyhow so I made I made a decision this week to, to spruce it up to really put some time and intention and come up with my visual aesthetic and I started wearing new clothes out and it felt great I started wearing new outfits you know I didn't buy a bunch of shit but I uh I was just, I reordered how I was thinking about my clothing, you know? I put together things. I didn't just throw on what I wore the other day with like new socks and a new t-shirt. I, uh, it felt really good. And, you know, I started getting checked out. 
there's this really fun thing that I think happens inside all of us mammals around spring is we get a little a little sexually feisty. We get we're ready to get out there. Our DNA is like, hey, we've been hibernating. Let's go make some babies. Let's go procreate. Let's go frolic in fields and laugh and giggle. And I think that's been really nice. Just engaging in some low-level flirting. I'm trying to get people compliments when I see them wearing new clothes because I'm complimenting myself for the time and energy and effort. So I'm really excited. And uh, as a result of that, my social media, the algorithm picked this shit up within minutes. It is creepy how fast these algorithms know what to target you with. I was getting... Within 10 minutes, I was getting ads, you know, just like, you know, watching some old skate videos, listening to interviews with artists I like, you know, looking at queer educators and fashion designers. Within 10 minutes, you know, I put my phone away, I did some things, I got my, I got back on Instagram, and there it was, the perfectly tailored advertising experience. I mean, I fucking wanted everything that Instagram showed me. You genius little robots. There was a there was a cardigan that had like it was like a rainbow but really tastefully done. It looked like a really cool acrylic like furry acrylic abstract painting that was trying to encompass encompass the joys of spring. And I was like, oh my god, I need that. And I looked, it was like five hundred dollars. So Instagram also knows I like expensive shit, so if anybody's out there and listening and wants to uh, sponsor my stylistic endeavors, you can head over to Turning of the Bones on Patreon. I kid, I kid, I kid. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it's really it's interesting how fast, how efficient those algorithms are at getting us right, like pulling us into that dopamine cycle, that hit. You know, you get a, a, a dopamine hit when you see something you like, when you go shopping, when you get something new. And it's just, it's a sneaky little devil. It's just a sneaky, sneaky little demon just tapping you on your shoulder like, yeah, you need you need to buy that one $40 undershirt that looks like Marlon Brando wore it because that's your new look. <laughs> so that's kind of what we're up against uh, in these conversations about attention. I'm going to hop into part three on attention if you're just jumping in maybe go back to an earlier episode uh, kind of get the feel for what I'm doing here the stuff I'm talking about the world that we're operating in the view the lenses through which I look at the world uh, we're gonna hop in this is the third part of attention and I did kind of the history we learned about Rita and her tennis game and last week I talked a bit about my experience as a child. Today we're kind of going to jump into where I'm at, where we're at. Uh, read a lot, did a lot of cognitive neuroscience research. I'll try my best to remember to cite or turn you on to the people I learned this stuff from. Um, but we're going to start with the dictionary. We're going to start with a good old-fashioned dictionary. If you want to talk about something, you should look up the definition. I advise that to anybody think about the word for quite a while just one word stew on it so attention the dictionary defines attention as the cognitive process of selectively concentrating on one thing while ignoring others and you think 
yeah, that's a tension, you know. Most of us probably just breeze past that, but I'm going to stop us. just want us to pause and chill out on that for a second. The process of selectively concentrating on one thing and ignoring others. I, I think that, so I think our definition of attention, you know, to go back to last week's episode, the way that we think about attention, or we have thought about it up till now, is, 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 is it's changing. And we're learning new things like attention. It are, so I'll go through this in a bit. <clears throat> um, but I really think and I kind of want to frame this in this idea that like we have the social conditioning of capitalism and the way that we've defined attention here, I think, is it, that it's influenced by the lens of production. You know, you're, you're paying attention to one thing, you're doing one task, you are in a piece, a cog in the industrial machine. And so attention and what I said about education last week, I think this is how we can kind of see how these uh, philosophies can then be a lens through which we see the world. And we define something for years and years and years, you know, like attention is the ability to focus on a boring ass worksheet in third grade right to do, to do one thing so if you can't do that you must have a problem with attention and so today is really going to be a discussion not coming up with any answers um just going to throw some stuff out there some food for thought and so unless you're a completely enlightened being you can't pay attention to everything all the time uh you you know there are meditations that invite in you know single-pointed awareness or single-pointed attention you know like just meditate on your big toe you know that's that's training your brain to focus on one thing then there are other meditations that i've learned over the years where you open your awareness to your whole body you open your awareness to the whole environment in your body you you know and you kind of like build out so you can't pay attention to everything all the time it would honestly probably fry our fragile little brains and so we've figured out, you know, our brains and evolution have figured out lots of ways to solve this. We have what is called selective attention, um, where our attention is kind of split between what we're doing and a kind of peripheral, peripheral awareness of the environment. Uh, you know, so if all of a sudden a bus crashed into your house, you know, your attention would be drawn appropriately to the thing that's going to need it for your survival. Um, and so another thing about attention is this idea of arousal. Um, and I know what you're thinking, you sexy Sarahs, you sensual Samuels, you sassy Samuels. <laughs> um, it's not, not that kind of arousal. Arousal just meaning um, we live on a spectrum of arousal from asleep to alert. And, you know, you can probably think about this. Like sometimes you're like, woohoo, let's go out. It's Friday night. Put on my shoes. You're like fully aroused. You're like in it, you know, you're feeling it. You're thinking, you're smelling. The world's bright and vibrant. Then, you know, Sunday afternoon comes around. You're just watching 30 Rock for the 800th time. You're not quite as aroused. Uh, and then asleep, deep sleep, um, all those kinds of things. And, you know, attention is easier, you know. Selective, selecting your attention and putting it on one thing is easier when we're alert, right? Like if you get shocked into something, right? Uh, the, the, the loud sound outside, 
your body sends you a flood of chemicals, you're alert, and all of a sudden you're like there, you're ready. Um, you could have been fully drowsy and a branch crashes through your window watching Netflix on Sunday and all of a sudden you're, everything's bright and vivid. Everything was kind of dull and fuzzy before. Um, you know, like coffee and drugs heighten these parts of our brain. Uh, that's why we all love coffee. You know, it kind of pops us too. Makes, you know, you're in that brain fog in the morning, you have a cup of coffee, you're like, ooh, all right, I'm ready. Um, so we have voluntary attention. Uh, involuntary attention, those examples, you know, doing this podcast, if the trash truck pulled up outside, my involuntary attention would maybe go to the trash truck. But my voluntary attention is going into recording this podcast, staying with my notes, keeping a train of thought. Uh, we're deciding that, you know, it's based on goals and reward, you know, those dopamine, those neurotransmitters that we like that keep us alive, keep us motivated to do new things. Uh, we have goals, we focus on those. Um, and our brain is kind of constantly simulating outcomes, you know, kind of future thought. When you're thinking or anxious or planning, you know, you're thinking about the potential outcomes in the future. Um, so your brain is constantly simulating these outcomes, like how am I going to get my needs met? How am I going to get these neurochemicals uh, that I need to feel healthy and balanced and safe? Um, and so like I mentioned, you have uh, overt attention, you know, you have this... I'm, I'm looking at the microphone while I'm speaking to you. My attention is completely focused here. You know, your eyes follow, your body kind of squares to the thing you're paying attention to. Uh, it's very conspicuous. You know, you know when somebody's reading a book. That's overt attention. Covert attention is kind of this like secondary attention that we have. So we're never just paying attention to one thing. Like we can get lost in one thing, but our brain is like... Even if you're the most hyper-focused, if you're in like a, a deep pit of hyper-focus, for the most part, unless you're like in like the 1% neurologically, if somebody runs into the room screaming, you're going to quit <laughs> doing what you're doing. Uh, it would take a pretty significant uh, neurodivergence to like stay in your book, you know, or another, uh, you know, you could be deaf, you could, you know, there could be lots of things you could be. But for the most part, you have these kind of like two spheres of attention. One of them is like intentional and one of them is kind of just in the background. Um, and like I said, like you have reflexive attention, loud noise, car crash. This is totally tied to survival, right? Like we need as animals to be able to reorient our awareness and our attention towards things that are threats. Like it's, it's fine and dandy if you're focused on planting seeds in the field, but if the neighboring tribe runs up with spears and you're just so lost in your work, everyone's going to die. Um, so we kind of have these two spheres, I've heard them described as cones of attention, and then we have voluntary attention and then reflexive attention. So voluntary is like, I am voluntarily paying attention to drinking this cup of coffee. Reflexive attention, you know, if my dog started barking, I'd be like, oh shit, who's at the door? Um, and so like a good example that neuroscientists give of this is the cocktail party effect. So you're at a party, you're in a room, and you're talking to a small group of people. Um, your brain is sorting through the sound field. So, you know, think about it. You're like standing in a circle and you're listening to Timmy and Timothy. And uh, they're talking about, you know, how their day was at work. And your room is, your ears are also kind of low-key scanning 
the rest of the room. And if you think about your eyes, like your eyes follow that. Like you look at the person, you kind of look around the room, you look at the person, you look around the room, you're like, who's hot? Who's attractive? Who seems safe? Who's going to freak out? Ooh, who's the drunkest guy in the room? Um, so you're kind of like scanning both. Um, and if somebody says your name on the other side of the room, if you're standing there, you know, if I'm standing there talking, and I'm, I'm lost in conversation. It could be something I'm really excited about, like in a, a podcast on attention. And I could be like, oh, yeah, I learned this really cool thing about these two codes and these two spheres. And over in the corner, someone's like, Colby, my brain will totally reorient to that. That's pretty standard for most of us. Um, you can really only pay attention to one auditory stimulus at a time. I saw this uh, little reel today on Instagram where it was like one of those garbled up sounds um, where like if you're not looking at uh, words, if you're not reading the text, you just hear like, but if you look at one, it's like Green Lantern and the other one is like Brainstorm. If you're reading those texts, your brain will hear that sound, which is kind of trippy if you think about that. If you would have given that to me, if you would have like got me high at 16 and and played one of those videos for me I mean these new kids these kids growing up are going to be like I don't know juggernauts I think because like their their minds are getting blown like that all the time so you can only pay attention to one auditory stimulus because I tried I, I played the video I listened to the one I looked at that I read it I heard whatever Green Lantern and then I listened to the audio again and read the other text and heard brainstorm and I tried to split my awareness and hear both and I couldn't do it like it was it, it felt really impossible um, and so yeah so we have these these filter mechanisms that that sort through all of this in our brain I'm not gonna get too into the brain parts because it's just too much nerd stuff but uh, if you're interested in it just google it YouTube it TED talk it um, so we only bring in a limited amount of information at one time, but we're kind of aware that everything is going on around us. Um, and some things we store into memory, some things we don't. They're not totally sure how this happens yet, but if you think about, you know, if you're standing there talking to your two friends at the party and somebody comes up and punches you, you're going to remember that event. You might not, you know, it, it only lasted a second, and you might have glanced at your friend Paula and you don't know what kind of pants Paula was wearing or what color outfit Paula was wearing because your brain, they're not totally sure how that happens. Um, but we store some things into memory. I, I think probably has to do with safety um, into that predictive process that our brain does. Um, but we, there, there are kind of two theories on that. And I'm not going to bore you too much, but basically like the neuroscientists are looking whether or not like our brains sort through that early, like filter out. Uh, the stimulus and then toss out stuff before you perceive it or whether or not that happens later in our cognition um, like all the stimulus is being processed and then we form an understanding of all of them and then the information is selected as important or not important later <laughs> that's really not super important um, but yeah that's kind of a it's kind of an overview of attention and like I think that you know to go back to that dictionary definition it's really limiting to think of attention just in terms of production, which I think is how we think about it most of the time. Like, can I pay attention? Can I produce? Can I produce a sink full of clean dishes? Can I produce a closet full of folded clothes? Can I produce work? Can I produce both? Um, and so I think 
having an understanding that attention is kind of like it's kind of like a sieve for awareness you know if everything is awareness if like you know I'm, I'm low-key aware of everything all the time you know like I have an awareness of the things in my room you know like my brain is not predicting that the cactus across the room is going to jump up and punch me in the face or fly into my face uh, but I'm aware you know even talking now I'm aware that there are plants on the other side of the room they're not focused they're kind of fuzzy out there in the periphery uh, but they're, they're there and my brain is aware that they're there my brain is aware that my dog is asleep on the floor but my attention is focused so I think realizing that we have two cones of focus um, is really important and like that attention can be outward facing you know it could be like reading the room for danger it could be like paying attention in the classroom but it can also be in like your attention can also be like if you have trauma or have experienced anxiety or depression or had a fucking hangover you know what I'm talking about you're aware of your internal state so you're also like you're not only attending to the things in the room you're at attending at the same time to your internal state right like your emotions your feelings you know if I was doing this with uh an injury my brain would also be paying attention to the physiological state so I think attention is much more complicated than we believed up until this point and this is a really cool thing about neuroscience and cognitive neuroscience is we're starting to understand this stuff a little bit more um, we're starting to have some more nuanced conversations that aren't just through the lens of production and capitalism because we know that shit ain't good for no one um, now that it's had its time to uh, run itself out as a long-term test. Um, so we've got, uh, you know, we've got people working on the anatomy of attention, its relationship to respiratory, the cognitive neuroscience attention. Um, we have spatial attention, like where things are, you know, like have you ever like kind of dropped something out of the corner, you know, you're in the kitchen and you knock, you know, something off the counter and somehow you catch the glass before it hits the ground. You are paying attention to that glass but you had a spatial awareness and a spatial attention of where it was and somehow you caught it because your brain is always taking all of this in. And then we have like uh, feature date, uh, feature attention where it's like, you know, the details like this mug that I am holding is white. It was made on in the internet. Uh, it says Zazzle on the bottom. It's got a little brown rust where it's been or like, you know, rubbed off ceramic look where it's been sitting on tables the inside of it is yellow and at the bottom of it is delicious aromatic coffee so we have detail attention we have spatial attention like i know where that coffee is i just i'm talking with my hands while i do my i talk with my hands while i do my podcasts um and so i'm also spatially aware of like don't hit the microphone don't move too far out of the the sweet spot for the microphone where you get this nice calm voice um, so we have those kinds of attention um, it, it's pretty fascinating I mean all this stuff like I hope this doesn't seem I hope this seems coherent because like this there's just so much information on this now um, so when you're paying attention to something uh, They've, they've, they've done neuroscience scans, you know, MRI scans of your of people's brains when they're paying attention. 
and they basically they found it's kind of like you know what a sound wave looks like you know it goes up and down big sounds it's like wider like go 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 like really high pitched it's like smaller and shorter um so your brain so if you get a stimulus um you have these these waves in your brain and the larger the waves are the more vivid it makes things you know so like i don't know I think weed is a good example of like a biological way to experience this. If you smoke weed, then you look at a leaf from a tree, you know, for the first time you're in high school and you're like, holy shit, I have never seen a fucking leaf. You know, it's not that you've never seen a leaf. It's just that these things in your brain, the waves are so much stronger with the THC and, you know, you're, you're focused on the details of it. It's like, it's extra vivid. Those are just larger waves in your brain. Um, you know, if you get into anything, if you're playing music, if you're reading, if you're cooking, it's like if the, your brain likes that, you know, you, you, you get positive uh, neurotransmitters, you get dopamine, uh, all that good stuff. Um, and so basically, yeah, like, yeah, basically there are these really good, they've done all this looking into it. And the bigger the wave is, uh, you know, the stimulus, like, I'm doing a really poor job describing that. I'm sorry. There's some really cool nerd shit out there about uh, cognitive neuroscience and the brain scans they're doing around attention. You should go Google it. I should have taken that note out before I got started. Um, <laughs> uh, so where were we? Yeah, it's like I have all these, it's really funny with my notes. It's like I have all these random details that I think are super interesting but don't fit in coherently and I have a hard time deleting them because um, I'm a bit of an information hoarder. Uh, when I prep these podcasts. Um, so we've got, where were we? Da, 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 multi, multiple areas of the brain, control attention. Like it's really complex. Like this is probably one of the most complex things that we or any sentient being do. Um, yeah, we have, it, it's a super, attention is important. You know, reflexive attention is super important um, evolutionarily. Like if you can't, spot a threat you're not going to survive so our brains have evolved the ability to split our attention to get distracted getting distracted is actually evolutionarily really beneficial because um, you don't want to be too focused on something you don't want to be not focused enough you know like on one end if you can't focus on planting the seeds at all you're not going to eat but on the other hand if you're hyper focused on it you might get eaten by a pack of wolves yada 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 i think you all get that one um And so like with, with ADHD, you know, there is, there are people with persistent inattention, you know, like I said, this could be, this is, you know, part of the issue I have with my diagnosis and like having worked with students with trauma and identifying the traumas that I experienced environmentally and specifically, it's like if your attention is focused inward on how you're feeling, whether or not you're feeling safe, if it's doing that all the time. So I, I think I laid out a picture of not feeling safe in schools. So my attention was always kind of like, I couldn't always focus on the fucking dumbass worksheet, you know, cause I'm like here getting ridiculed by the teachers. I'm like, you know, trying to figure out social situations with peers. All I could think about at a young age, and I, I have memories of this, is like I had huge anxiety internally. So you can't focus on anything when you're anxious. But I was like worried about the situation. You know, there were so many stressors that weren't, I don't think, 
ADHD, diagnosable ADHD. I think I have, I think I'm in an average range for humans. Um, so there is, right? Like there is, and doctor, uh, if you want to go, uh, I got a lot of this from a podcast with Dr. Andrew Huberman. That's a, he was on the Rich Roll podcast. Go check it out. It's a pretty good podcast. Andrew Huberman is a cognitive neuroscientist, and he's really doing like, it's, it was pretty cool. He has a similar mission. Like he wants to demystify spirituality, you know, in those the ancient traditions that have talked about this, but in very esoteric ways. And he also wants to declutter the scientific jargon of like his field and so it was really cool i really get i'm really on board with andrew huberman and what he's trying to do um but he did this really great three-hour podcast on neuroscience and attention because lots of people are struggling with focus for the reasons i mentioned at the beginning of the podcast you know we have these social media apps that i would say you know pray right it's like capitalism preying on us right like spend your money get the good dopamine uh lots of people are struggling with focus because those little like dopamine hits those like you know if you're like a little sad or fucking bored and you put on your instagram you know you're getting little dopamine hits and eventually you get addicted to them you know i'm guilty of it i grab my phone i'm like why the hell did i just grab my phone i have no desire to intentionally be looking on instagram at anything possibly there and I think, you know, after the pandemic, that exacerbated that. We had all this open space. We were all freaking out. So I think a lot of us are struggling with focus. And uh, Andrew Huberman said, yeah, like, and I researched this and it was verified by other sources, about 10 to 11% of people have clinically diagnosable ADHD. And some people, for depression, for lots of reasons, need uh, the biological support of med medication, uh, a that is super real. I would say that people who aren't even in that 10 to 11% uh, need some help biologically getting back online, uh, getting back into routine, getting to a place where you can put in some behavioral supports. You know, I, it, you know, talk to professionals about this. You know, in some cases, it's not safe to use behavioral approaches, you know, to try to manage your routine versus taking ADHD meds. So for some people, it's, it's a really serious thing. For a lot of us, I think, you know, myself included, I, I'm always in relationship with my attention. Um, but there's some myths, um, and he breaks these down. I'll do it here without a lot of the cog sci talk. But, uh, you know, the myth is that people can't focus. Um, and they they can focus on interesting things, right? Like you've, I've talked about uh, ADHD and hyper focus, um, but it's also a myth that they can't focus. Like no one's not focusing on something. You know, the kid with quote unquote ADHD may not be focusing on the worksheet, but he's fo there. You know, in my case, focusing on what's going on on the playground. Like I'm focusing. I'm just not focusing on the shit you're giving me. You know, like. I go into lots of stuff about that educationally, like what's the buy-in, show me why I'm doing this, help me understand it from top down. Um, but I, it's a myth that people aren't paying attention. They're just not paying attention to what society thinks they should, right? And it, it can become an issue if you can't pay your bills, if you can't clean your house. Like, it's, it's, it's seriously, like, we have the system we have. We have the, the structures in place that we have. So, like, how can we work inside of those? Um, so those are the myths. Uh, the pseudo myths are that we can 
that's not how I'm going to approach that. Nope, I'm going to rewind. Not pseudo-myths. Um, so we can split our attention. We do it all the time, like I talked about. Uh, Andrew Huberman describes it as two cones, and your brain and your frontal lobe is a huge part of this, right? Your executive functioning. Little kids don't have this ability because they don't have a frontal lobe. You don't get it fully until you're 25. Um, and you weigh the two cones, you know, like, what's more important to me, this podcast or my dog sleeping on the floor or what's going on in my room? You know, we've kind of have these two, two spheres or cones of awareness. Um, and when you're really focused on something, you bring the two cones, they kind of come into one and things get more vivid. And like your brain is like thinking in all these really exciting meta ways, like, uh, you know, like you can, and you can do this internally or externally. You can like meditation does this, you know, you bring your awareness internally to your body, to your heartbeat, to your breathing. You, you take, you know, and then all of a sudden you hear a car driving down the road and you remember when you're in third grade and you try to bring the attention back to your heartbeat. Um, but this is happening all the time, you know, like we're, we need these two cones because we're social creatures. We can't just focus on one thing because we're pack animals. We need to be able to focus on like where and what, like when you're a kid, you need to focus on what mom and dad and your siblings are doing when you're at school, the teacher and all the other students. Uh, you know, they track this at monkeys where they need to know who the dominant and subordinate monkeys are, like who's the alpha, who's the pack leader, what are they doing, what's their body language, because there's, there's, there's social emotional threats there's physical threats if you're a monkey um, yeah and so we have this ability partially because you know it's like really tied to like the beauty of what we are it's like we're hugely social creatures and we have the ability to read all these things and take in all this information at once sift through it and know how to stand and understand our body posture and understand facial gestures understand tone of voice you know we're taking all of this in all the time so like the idea that you're just focusing on one thing is a little absurd to me like you're kind of taking it all in um it's just the ability right and i've i struggle with this like the ability and probably everybody who's listening to this has done this at one point you're in a conversation and you're listening to the person but you want to connect so you're also thinking about what you should say you're thinking about your experience you're also reading the room, right? You're still in a room full of people. You're listening to one person. It's like you can't tether your brain. You know, it took me a lot of work to be able to listen to people um, and hold what I'm thinking, hold what I think I want to say. You know, like mansplaining is this, like a guy who's just, you can tell he's like, you're talking to a dude and you're like telling a story and you're like, oh, he's not listening to the second half of my story. He's like already thinking about his story and waiting for his turn. <laughs> you know, like people do that shit all the time. And that's basically an, an a bit like you're not paying attention. Like there's so many examples of, of how we're paying attention to multiple things all at once. You know, but that person who's getting ready to jump in and tell their story, they're reading the room. They're seeing that they're, you know, they're aware of other things like, oh, this story that Colby's telling is getting a good social response. I've got a one up. You know, I'm going to get all these social points like we have all these things we're aware of and where places our attentions go it's really it's really mind mind boggling to me and it makes sense though because attention is basically you know it works primarily in a lot of your dopamine receptors 
uh, your neuromodulators and transmitters. And it makes sense because, you know, you pay attention, motivation, you know, you set a goal to plant the field, you get the dopamine response when you grow the vegetables, you eat the food, um, you know, attention is tied to cravings, you know, if you get hungry, all of a sudden your attention is on what food you're going to eat, you know, your pursuits. Um, and when we focus, you know, when we focus, when we bring those cones together, we have a lot of activity in our dopamine circuits. And ADHD meds stimulate these circuits, coffee, um, And it's, it's interesting, mechanistically, the brain, you know, dopamine helps you narrow those two cones into one, you know, so if you have trauma and you have issues in your dopamine receptors, it could be hard for you to, to focus like this. Caffeine, uh, speed, you know, higher grade speeds like Ritalin, cocaine, those narrow your aperture. You know, if you're thinking about a camera lens, like it, it makes the lens a little smaller and you're just looking at one thing. And anybody who's done cocaine knows exactly what I mean. There was no reason you needed to talk about one Rush album for three hours. Um, <laughs> not a real example, but I could see that happening. Um, I Personally, I hated cocaine. I did it like a handful of times and just thought it sucked. I just, I don't know. It was just not my thing. Not interesting. Um, this is really interesting, though. Your mental focus, and it makes sense for sighted people, your mental focus follows your visual focus. Um, and this, this makes a ton of sense, you know, like if you're working on, you know, think about the last time a hot person caught your attention in public. Your eyes followed, your awareness followed, your body followed, your breathing followed. You know, your eyes, you know, you see something gorgeous at a museum. You know, your visual, your attention follows your visual field usually. Um, <clears throat> and so there's like a lot of interesting stuff going on with like, and I've done this in meditation, like you can anchor your visual focus, you know, like, uh, here's a behavioral hack. You know, if you have a clean apartment, it's easier to anchor your visual field on what you're working on. If you have a chaotic apartment, your brain is kind of like drawn. Like, say you've got like projects over here, a disorganized pile, your brain is taking in that and it's like, oh shit, I got to like. I gotta clean up my paints. I gotta wash my dishes. Got those socks on the floor. Um, so you, it's easier to anchor in like a, a more organized environment. Um, but there's some like cool things you can do with meditation, like to learn how to you can you know do body awareness, uh, candle gazing, where you like gaze at a candle for a minute and then like soften your attention and gaze just at the candle. You're just like candle, 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 candle. You know, and you really focus on it. And like you can like it's like any other muscle. You can strengthen these muscles. We have neuroplasticity. Um, you know, we're able to rewire our brains like lots of ways, diet, breathing. And it's really cool, you know, some of these esoteric ancient teachings from the East, you know, they were really ways to cultivate the mind and, you know, grow neuroplasticity. Um, because there's so much stimulation right now, you know, our phones, just in our immediate environment, you know, I live in the city, there's so many things going on. You know, and some people need blinders, you know, like the, the, the visual field, uh, you know, your, your attention following your visual field, because 
I, I found this out researching this podcast. Your eyes are basically a part of your brain that are just on the outside. I'm just going to let that sink in because it took me a minute to get over that one. Your eyes are a part of your brain that are on the outside. Um, you know, they're, co they're connected direct. The ocular nerve goes straight into the brain. Um, and so, like, this is this chaps my ass, you know. I want to go back and tell every teacher that told me to take my hood off to go to hell. You know, like, I somehow instinctually knew that I needed to wear a hood because I was too visually stimulated in a classroom, especially one with fluorescent overhead lighting, which is, like, a specific kind of hell for everybody, I would say. I don't know anybody who's like, yeah, can we bring back the 1980s overhead fluorescent lighting? That was a great time for us. They buzz. They just kind of, <laughs> like, that was such shit. Anyhow, we need blinders sometime. You know, when I am doing this podcast, I basically make a pillow tent. And most of what I can see is, like, gray in the computer. You know, there's, like, a little bit of light. But, like, limiting that, I can sit here and talk for, as you all well know, over an hour. Um, so if you want to focus on something, you can limit your visual field. You can wear a hood, you know, study carols. They had those in school. Uh, yeah, it's really interesting. Think about it. Your attention follows your visual, visual field. So that being said, I think this would be a good time for a little break. This is a listener supported podcast if you would like to support this podcast you can go over to patreon www.patreon.com forward slash turning of the bones become a monthly patron the price of a cup of coffee once a month a pint a bagel whatever a cookie you can uh, go over support me monthly donations it's really nice i've got I think eight or nine lovely patrons. Thank you to all of you. And if you can't afford it, don't worry about it. Keep listening. I'm going to keep doing this. Head over to the website. Check that out. And yeah, it's my little uh, mid-podcast pause. I'm going to pause this one because I've got a lot of information here. So you might want to break this into two. Uh, I know, I mean, I'm kind of flying over this. But like so many of these things that I've learned prepping for this one kind of melted my brain. Like literally, not literally, metaphorically. Metaphorically melted my brain. It literally made my brain feel like it was itching. Uh, you know, I didn't know that my eyes were part of my brain. That's that's crazy. I've got brain on the outside, just taking all this in, interpreting the world. It's really, really surreal. Some of these things we're learning. So I just thought it'd be a good place for a little break before I kind of jumped into this second half. All these just, we've just got all these super fascinating, super, super fascinating things about our brains. I mean, they just, it, it keeps blowing me away. It keeps blowing me away. So I think another thing that's important to think about when we think about attention and just like opening up to these new possibilities, you know, things that I didn't learn, but really help contextualize these conversations for me is like we have different states of mind. Uh, they talk about this in the East. They talk about this in science. We have, right, like different states of arousal. You could be very lethargic. You could be very animated. You could be kind of docile. You could be calm. You could be agitated. You know, we have all these different states of mind. And they, they really do respond to, like, 
literal different states, like your different neurotransmitters are going on. We have sleep, we have deep sleep, we have dreaming, we have waking. And so all throughout the day, we're transitioning through all of these various states. Um, you know, two hours ago, I was so tired. I didn't know how I was going to do this podcast. I was like, holy shit, I shouldn't have eaten that burrito this morning. I'm just not, not ready to do this. I had a cup of coffee and I was like, oh my God, I still have the brain fog. So I was like, I'm going to do some push-ups, did some uh, jumping jacks, I drank some water, uh, did a bunch of vocal warm-ups, and then all of a sudden, you know, like I transitioned out of that really heavy, foggy, lethargic, sleep-deprived state, I haven't been sleeping well, um, into a more activated, you know, ready-to-talk, you know, focused state, you know. So throughout the day, we're transitioning through all of this state. Just think about how many things you feel throughout a day um, and we have what's called autonomic arousal like activation of the body like sometimes it's hard to sit still um, you know I had that all the time I was had huge growing pains as a child I was a very large I still am a very large human uh, but growing and sitting in those little hard ass desks like no cushion like can you imagine if we made adults sit in hard chairs at offices you know like just go to office depot look at all the science we put into making asses cozy and you know we put all these kids who are you know full of energy into these hard ass chairs i just i don't get it um we have like the internal voice like monitoring our internal state right like oh am i gonna do i need to pee do i need to sneeze does my stomach hurt how's my knee doing from that injury Oh, I'm a little worried about going home. I'm not really excited about seeing my family later. Whatever, whatever it is, like you have all these arousals going on throughout the entire day. Uh, what's in front of you? Um, so we have exteroception, which is like our perception outside of us. We have interoception, which is our attention inside of us. And our we're constantly aware of these two things, you know. Um, you know, I think something that masculinity does is it, it, it conditions interoception out of, you know, people who are assigned a male at birth. You know, don't understand how you feel. Don't cultivate an awareness of your emotions. Don't value your emotions. You know, you, you almost have evolutionary, this exteroception fed and the interoception starved and like what we're seeing right now socially is a lot more awareness like no we should be teaching all children how to understand interoception um and so there are lots of ways to you know like i talked about in meditation you can do you can focus your attention on your breath you know you're going to have a thought but then you watch it and then you once you realize you're thinking. So you develop this self-awareness around how you think. And I think this is a huge, huge, huge part of the successes I've, I've experienced inside of my understanding of myself, my understanding of attention is, you know, when you first start doing anything, if you haven't been trained to do it, you're not going to be good at it, you know? And so capitalism is like, yeah, just, uh, you know, change the gasoline, give them a drug, they'll be able to do the thing. But you know that's doesn't work for everybody and so for me it was like 
much more important and it's been much more liberating and empowering and increased my sense of autonomy and well-being and sovereignty is to learn these things about myself and so you know they're meditations and you know at first you're like holy shit my brain's everywhere i'm never gonna be able to focus then you enjoy like 30 seconds of just focusing on your breath you're like oh i feel it feels like peace it feels like stillness oh i can actually listen to this i can focus on this i'm aware of this my attention is pointed towards this wow that feels good and you kind of get those right talked about those large waves your brain you get the dopamine and all of a sudden your brain starts rewiring itself at least in my experience and so there are tons of exercises and there's some really cool stuff going on right now with respiratory science and like these old kundalini and meditation practices um but breathing sets the condition in a brain for brain states to arise so if you're shallow breath you're you know you're not getting as much oxygen the neurotransmitters are different if you slow down your breathing you know you can try this on your own or just think back and experience you know if you've ever had a panic attack you weren't taking deep breaths <laughs> um you know versus like really slow and so you can figure out you know like i think that the cool thing about meditating in my experience with yoga has been that it's like been this experimental playground where i can figure out these things about myself you know i can tell now when it's going to be a challenging day for me to focus you know today for instance i didn't sleep well last night i i just couldn't sleep i emotionally ate a bunch of popcorn at like 11 o'clock at night because I just didn't want to be alone. I was like, I'm just going to watch comedy and eat popcorn. You know, I slept poorly. I slept half on the couch, half in my bed. Uh, I just, you know, I, I, I knew I, I was like, if I, if I really, you know, stay in my routine, do a little exercise, drink a lot of water, eat some good food, I, I might be able to squeeze three to four good hours of attention out of myself but I need to like everything you know it took it's taken a lot to have that awareness and I think that meditating and yoga and doing breath work uh helps you cultivate that awareness you know because I'm going to be different I remember one time sitting in meditation and for the longest time I thought like oh I'm just going to get rid of all these thoughts I'll just be able to you know it's all these western misunderstandings of what the fuck was actually going on or what the fuck is actually going on it's like, I'll be able to clear my mind and it'll be a zen, tranquil garden in there and I won't have a thought. And I remember like five years ago, I was sitting in meditation. <laughs> it was like, my brain was like, this is me. This is what I do. This is, yep, nope, you're, you're going to keep getting this. There's, you know, there's the void. There's, you know, soft, quiet stillness at the heart of everything. And I'm still going to be here doing this job and this this area because you have a body and we have shit to do uh i'll work with you on not obsessing about things that aren't important but for the most part i'll keep popping off you know every 30 seconds about something you know that's where we're at and i was just like oh there you are brain okay i accept you let's work together let's let's rewire you where we can let's uh be patient and calm with you where we can but i think you can like really you know there's so many tools uh, you know, diet, breathing, uh, getting into routine. It's like by small increment setting for me, setting up myself to make these changes slowly. You know, I was talking to someone who's probably 10 years younger than me yesterday and she just switched her, uh, 
ADHD medication was having a really hard time. I was just kind of commiserating about how hard it is to be on those drugs and how hard it is to not be able to focus or do your dishes. And the one thing I thought, I was like, you know, if I could say one thing to myself 10 years ago, it'd be just like do one small behavioral thing. Like maybe you'll have to take the medicine forever. Not a big deal. But do one small behavioral thing at a time to like, and by slow measure, by the time you're 45, it'll get easier. I promise it'll get easier. And I think that's what's happened. You know, the more I've gotten to know myself, the more I've practiced these things. Uh, you know, there are days where I wake up, I'm like, it's just not happening today. And I think that's probably normal. Like, I don't need to be focused on shit all the time. Like, we didn't have this much stimulation when our brains were developing. You know, we used to have days where we like we were done with working around the village and we would just probably sit down by the creek and watch the creek or whatever, you know. Um, but I think you can figure out your flow to optimize this process. You know, you can really play with this. You know, like we all know what is a relaxed, you know, a state of focus is like, you know, you're, it's the right balance of relaxed and alert, you know, like that's what focusing feels like. Like right now I feel very relaxed, but I also feel very present, which is nice. You know, I'm, I'm breathing taking my time it's a really good you know I'm, i can feel the dopamine coming online you know i didn't have much of this when i was all groggy this morning i was just kind of walking around like man i gotta clean my apartment man, i gotta do a podcast man i gotta gotta focus gotta do this thing rah, 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 rah. but i did like the exercise the blood flow the deep breaths the oxygen i clean my apartment every week before this podcast because it helps me organize things i know that things are going to be in the right place there's not going to be chores that I, i'm thinking about doing you know my laundry is done my house is clean my place is vacuumed my dishes are done and i sit down to do this and i'm relaxed and i'm alert i don't have other things pulling at that second cone of attention unless they need to you know if all of a sudden vladimir putin walks into my house i'll be ready for him because i'm always ready but I'm also very relaxed and alert. Um, so there are other states, right? We talked about like throughout the day, you go through various states. You can be very alert, like almost too alert. You know, drink a pot of coffee. That'll, that'll get you going there. You can be panicked. You can be calm. You can be asleep. You can be emotional. You can be upset. You can be grieving. You can be sad. You can be happy. You know, we have all these states, you know, and I think this, to tie it back to capitalism, like I don't want to be in just one. I don't want to be in just a productive state. You know, like being relaxed and alert is awesome. Um, but I, I don't want to be there all the time. Like being a human is having all of these experiences. I also don't want to be totally hijacked by my emotions, you know. Like I've got sad and anxiety inducing things going on in my life, but I don't want to be like totally pulled out of line by those, you know. Like when I was a kid, I couldn't control any of those. I had no skills. I had nobody to teach me how to regulate my emotions. Um Yeah, so we're going through all these different states. And to tie it back to the education piece, like, you know, we have all kinds of different learners. Some people are kinesthetic learners. They learn by moving their body and doing. I'm very much that way, auditory and visual. Um, and they're like really cool studies. You know, education has changed a lot from when I was younger, you know, quite frequently we'll give students stuff visually and auditorily, you know, like, you remember more, there are tons of studies about this, if you read a book and listen to it at the same time. Um, 
we like to uh, like our brains and our bodies we like to combine our visual auditory and physical attention uh, when something grabs our attention and holds it it feels you know like it feels good like when you're playing doing an exercise that you like or a movement uh, you know like skateboarding for me like oh my god I could just shut my eyes and think about the way it looks when you're pushing on a skateboard, the way it sounds, the way it feels in your body. I love that shit. Uh, when something really holds our attention, you know, skateboarding has been so great for me in that way. It was always like this really great place I could go reset my neurology because all three of these things were going on. Of course, I didn't know it at the time. I got lucky one year and had a therapist pointed out. They were like, I was talking to him for a while and I was suffering from really bad anxiety and just like executive dysfunction like I probably wasn't paying my bills and shit and drinking and I remember them being like you know you've talked about skateboarding when was the last time you did that it's been like six months she was like yeah maybe that'd be good for you and I was like in this emotional place with skateboarding I was like I don't need it I'm finished with that that's childish I don't know I was like 30 I was like having a temper tantrum with skateboarding at the time <laughs> and uh I was like, yeah, you're right. And like reading this and just tying it together now, it's like, no wonder why that was so good for me. It totally reset my brain chemistry to go do it. Um, you know, not to mention the friends. Um, so yeah, like there's tons of little hacks out there, you know, for attention. That's kind of what I'm getting at. So like we're all different kinds of learners. So when you tie audio, you know, you tie everything together, you're going to learn something. You're going to put it in your memory be able to recall it uh this probably isn't surprising but recall you know like memory if you read something on your phone it's less than if you're reading it in a, a book um they, there's this really cool thing they did this study uh with attention and recall and memory with reading stuff on our phones versus reading stuff in books and there's this there are the things called physiological size that we all do we do them when we're sleeping um, and every three to five minutes you do this breath and it, it really resets the area near your brain stem so you take a breath you're like and then you do like a deep sigh so like so you'll take a deep breath and then a big sigh and then like kind of do like a like a quick double breath and what happens is uh when you do this breath, there's sacs in your lung that get filled by this type of breath. And what it does is it expels the CO2 from your, your lungs. And we do this naturally during the night, but we don't do it when we read shit on our phones. It's like, it's kind of like an apnea that happens. Like you're starving yourself for breath. Um, so breathing is an important part of comprehension. And like, you know, people are like, oh, you have a learning disability. I couldn't breathe through my nose till I was like 26. I remember the first breath I took through my nose after having my septum straightened, I was like, holy shit, I have never met my own brain. Like, I, I had never, ever felt what it was like to feel my entire brain. Like, it was, I still to this day, sometimes I'll take a deep breath in through my nose and I'm like, oh my God, thank you. How did I live for so long not being able to breathe? Um, I couldn't breathe through my nose, you know, like, this is, there's so many reasons why I don't think I have like clinically diagnosable ADHD. Um, our heart rate is huge. You know, breathing controls our heart rate. When our heart rate's up, our internal awareness is drawing our attention because we feel like we might be in a state of fight or flight. 
it's hard to pay attention to what's going on around you. Um, you know, there's just, it's just so interesting to me. It's just fascinating. And I, I, I completely can tell you with 100% certainty that, you know, doing regular exercise, yoga, where I learned how to breathe. I never knew how to breathe until I did yoga. I never knew what an actual breath was. Um, I didn't know that I could focus my attention on it and control it to affect my brain chemistry, to f affect my physiology, to affect my moods. Um, you know, now you go to a therapist and they'll teach you a breathing exercise to expel CO2 from your lungs because we, we understand this now, you know. There's a lot of the mistakes that were made in my childhood were just out of ignorance, you know, and conditioning, um, which is completely excusable, um, except for those cruel motherfuckers. Um, and so I, you know, like I, I did this with teaching. I do it now. Like what kind of environment am I creating for myself that will help my focus? What does it look like? What does a good environment for me to focus in look like? Is it visually distracting? Um, I used to be a maximalist. Like I just had shit all over my walls. I had knickknacks everywhere. I've done so much work cleaning out uh, my space and it feels, it feels easier to focus in here. Um, is it auditorily distracting, you know? Like some days it's really hard for me to do work because the street is so alive outside my house. Um, I shut all the windows when I do this. I get into my little sound pod. Um, you know, these are just little checklists that can help us behaviorally. Did I sleep? Did I eat? Uh, what did I eat, you know? <laughs> if I would have had a healthy shake with fruit, this I thought about it when I ate this fucking burrito this morning. I was like, Colby, you're making a choice. You're making a choice. You might not have a good time focusing on this podcast. And, and truth, truth be told, I couldn't do it until now. You know, it's a little late in the day for me to be recording, so I had to wait for this burrito to work through my system because I just had potato, bacon, and eggs and cheese weighing me down. And it's really, you know, you get, you know about thanksgiving you get like this brain fog if you don't eat right uh so eating light eating fruits eating proteins you know watching what i eat understanding what my body needs for my activity level uh, am i hydrated speaking of i'm not right now i'm gonna take a sip of water i've been pounding coffee doing this podcast uh, what's the light like you know light is incredibly important we all have different eyes different sensitivities i need a lot of soft, low light, uh, no overhead lighting for me. It's like, I swear to God, I play Dungeons and Dragons at my friend's house and they have this overhead light and I'd like, I can't stand it. You know, I have very few ticks, but this light, like every once in a while flickers and it's really erratic. There's no pattern to it really. It's just like when the energy surges in the right way in this old house. And like, I have to wear a hood or a hat while I'm playing D&D. &D. Otherwise, I can't focus on this game that I love. I love losing myself. But if that light is doing its thing, I can't focus and I'm agitated. Um, what does it smell like? You know, smells are really important for focus. You know, take a, have a big inhale of some eucalyptus and it feels like your brain comes alive. You know, you're like, whoa, you know. Lavender, you feel a little bit calm and soft, you know, like, what does your house smell like? Um, I have like a checklist too, like, are there other tasks that are like pulling one of those cones attention, you know, like when I talked about my room being clean, you know, there's, I don't, I'm going to look around my house. I don't have any tasks 
that are like really pulling my attention you know like I don't have uh, a bunch of papers that I need to file later on today sitting out on the desk or you know like I've done everything I think I need to do today uh, so that I can focus on this you know like sometimes you'll sit down it's like why can't I focus it's like because you need to go clean your toilet really quick because for some reason your brain is hyper fixating on how dirty your toilet is and once I clean the toilet everything else will just sort itself out like just go like you know I feel like that for me if one of my cones of attention is being drawn to something it like one of my favorite teachers, Guru Maya, said, if something's calling your attention, it deserves your attention. And I really think that's true. You know, sometimes if I hadn't written my Mother's Day cards this week and sent them, you know, I might be thinking about that during this podcast, but that's done, so I'm good, you know. But if I had those two cards sitting on the other side of my little recording tent, I would probably have a harder time focusing. So maybe just go do something else really quick. You know, have I exercised? Like I said, I had to do push-ups before I did this. What's my breath like? What's the temperature like? I can't focus when it's cold. Oh, my God. It's the worst. I just, this winter was so hard some days. It would just be cold in my apartment. I'm like, I can't focus. You know, because my body's just, my part of my attention's always being pulled to my survival because my feet are cold. You know? So when it isn't dangerous, I prefer to try behavioral tools. Like there is clinically diagnosable ADHD, there's depression, there's anxiety. These medications have worked for lots of people, you know, but when it isn't dangerous, I prefer to try behavioral tools. And I also, you know, like I'm just a leery of pathologizing people and giving them labels that they have to live their whole life with, um, especially children. Um, And I just, you know, like this, this whole conversation is the science, you know, Andrew Huberman said this, the scientific and spiritual communities hide and disguise things in language cloaked in mysticism or scientific jargon. You know, there's a lot of this stuff just doesn't feel accessible, but it, it makes total sense because we all have these lived experiences. You know, everybody knows what it's like to hear their name on the other side of a room and have their attention pulled out of the conversation they were in. Um... You know, so what else? What do we got here? Yeah, yoga has helped me a ton. Uh, diet, nutrition, exercise, breath work. Um, you know, a lot of the meditation practices I've learned are really just, they were like attention cultivation tools. You know, uh, could I focus on one thing for five minutes? Soft focus on, you know, could I... Could I take the cones of attention and focus them on a candle for five minutes? Could I then take the two cones of attention, focus on my body and the whole room for 10 minutes? Could I then take all of my awareness and then focus on everything all at once? And continuing to play with that over and over and over and over and over and over really to me was like going to the attention gym. You know, I got to know my brain. I got to understand how it works. Um, yeah, breath work understanding the gut microbiome what else we got altered brain states right like chanting breathing can do this uh, right there's psychedelics there's drugs there's alcohol uh, acupuncture herbalism um, and I would say even like uh, the brain's ability to like just believe something works you know whatever it is it could be like divination like the placebo effects real you know like most people get better from the placebo effect and not the actual drug, which is a super, super huge trip. But, uh, 
yeah, we have all these, you know, we, we live in a capitalistic society that is really misinformed, you know, insurance, like you can't, you can't be like, oh, I can't pay attention. Will you pay for me to go to this breath workshop next weekend insurance? They'll be like, no, but we will pay to put you on Ritalin because they're all fucking in bed together. And that's just where we're at. So some of the shit, we just have to life hack ourselves. You know, we really have to be kind of subversive in that way, you know, like, it's unfortunate, you know, because I, I wish I've had huge success with acupuncture, with psychedelics, with therapy, with breath work, um, divination. Um, but all these behavioral practices really do change your neurology. Like they reshape your nervous system. Like I can't like I when I think about myself in my late 20s, like it feels like a, I'm talking about a totally different person. Like there is when I think about myself as a child, it's like I'm talking about somebody else's kid, you know, like my nervous system and my, my brain are fundamentally changed because of these behavioral changes. Um, and because of like the biological stuff, you know, I'm really consistent with my diet. Only super duper vice right now is this vape, but to me it's better than cigarettes cause I can keep working out. Um, you know, I love my brain needs some nicotine, you know. Yeah, I, I can't like our ability, our neuroplasticity is real, you know, and doing these things, I would give one caution, you know, doing these things with a supportive therapist or I won't say a meditation or a yoga teacher because I don't think anybody here in America really knows. I don't think they're really very many safe I don't think a lot of people know exactly what they're messing with, but like, you know, you can blow, you can overdo it with this stuff. I've done it. You know, I didn't know what I was getting into when I got into some of the meditation stuff I have and like doing some of the mantra and breath work. And I didn't have a safe teacher at the time who under, I don't think really understood the process because you can, you know, like rewiring your brain and nervous system is a big deal. You know, that's why if you're doing somatic healing and therapy, you know, you need a really good therapist who's really there for you because you're basically deconstructing your psyche. You know, you believe, if you believe you have ADHD and then you start living in the story that, well, maybe I don't. Maybe there are things I can do to change my brain. Like it, your psyche will go through a tumultuous time in that process, I'll say. And so having support around if you try these things, you know, people to talk to, therapist, counselor, I mean, shit, it could be, it could be other people in like yoga or meditation communities. I just, am, I'm very hesitant to advertise that uh, given what I've seen. I just, I think it's a bunch of white people who to don't totally know what they're, they're playing with. Um, but yeah. You, you really can. Like, I want to give that, that caution, but I also, I think that it's worth it. You know, and I, I, just by grace alone, I've been supported, protected during these process, during the really challenging times of uh, going into these, these efforts to learn the behavioral changes and then sitting with the way that they restructure my nervous system and my, my, my neurology. Um, but it's cool. I tell you what, it feels really empowering. Um, 
yeah, there are all these really cool studies. Andrew Huberman, demystification, dejargonization, uh, doing five minutes of breath work every day. You know, we like it better when we change our internal state than when somebody else does. You know, like think about getting scared. Somebody else changed your internal state. Think about sitting down and taking some deep breaths. Like you can do square breathing, you know, where you breathe in for four, out for four, kundalini practice just being aware of your breath breathing in for four holding it for seven letting go for eight i mean there's so many i'm not a teacher you know everybody's different nobody needs the same thing but like those we naturally do those kinds of breaths you know the the physiological side removes the carbon dioxide so that we can keep functioning optimally yeah there it is that's where that's where I'm at with ADHD. That's that's kind of what's going on. Check out Andrew Huberman. Super cool stuff. And the the respiratory the respiratory piece is really it makes a ton of sense to me in my lived experience having a deviated septum and not being able to breathe through my nose and not knowing how to breathe until I was probably 40. And I'm still learning it, you know, I'm like still, I've spent the last six months in my meditation practice only focusing on my breath. <clears throat> and uh, I can't tell you the, the, the self-awareness and the ability to re-regulate myself, the ability to focus my attention, the ability to be with challenging emotions, just working with breath. Um, I lived 25 years before I knew what it was like to take a breath through my nose. Uh, yeah, this is this has been a really fun one. Thank you for going on the attention journey. I thought maybe I'd do one more, but I don't think so. After doing this, I think that's it. You know, attention is incredibly complex, and we can only know so much of what the brain's doing. It's doing so much for us all the time. Um, and you know, by small changes, I've really seen huge improvements, you know, like I know now that, you know, I've gone on about this in previous podcast transitions. I, if you're telling me a story, like if I'm, if I'm leaving my house, I got to do my checklist, right? Make sure I got my keys, got my wallet, got my phone, got my toothpaste, got my vape, got my sunglasses, got my sunscreen on, got my hat, got my shoes, got my socks, got my pants, got my shirt. You know, I've got this whole thing. I walk through that to make sure it's all done like three times. Don't leave the house on the phone, right? Like I, 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 I struggle if I'm trying to do split my attention when I'm transitioning through tasks. Like it's just, I'll, I'll wind up agitated. I'll wind up a little pissed. Um, you know, if I'm, if I'm trying to leave the house and someone's telling me a story, I'll like walk out of the house, walk down the street, get to the car. And I'm like, I hate this person. <laughs> like, I don't hate this person. I just hate splitting my attention while I'm transitioning. I need to be focused on what I'm doing while I'm transitioning, you know, like right now, perfect attention. You can probably hear that. That totally caught my, my reflexive attention. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, one of my cones was like, hey, there's a beeping in the alley. You're recording a podcast. You're in the middle of a point. What were you saying? Oh, you were talking about walking down the street. There's a beeping. You know, like my brain is doing all of that at once. 
Um, but just the amount of things that I've learned, you know, it really, it goes back to Socrates, you know, know thyself, know the operator manual for your own machine. Uh, I think it's one of the highest, highest goals we can have in, in, in this lifetime is to like understand that and to grow our autonomy, our sovereignty, uh, not get hijacked by conditioning or, you know, habitual behaviors and continue to like understand, you know, like the only experience I'm ever going to have the opportunity to truly understand is mine. I'm only looking out of these eyes. And this is this this journey over these last 45 years with attention, being diagnosed, medicated, uh, ups and downs, highs and lows, observing students in school and being like, that's not ADHD, that's trauma, that kid is can't pay attention because they're worried about going home or they're worried about going to the next class because in the next class, Jimmy's mad at them. You know, like it's just more complex than I think people understood adults understood in the 80s and now we have this information so we can add this to the conversation so thank you so much for paying attention to me and if you had to break this up into multiple goes no problem it's a lot of information this is probably one of my longer podcasts and I'm glad that I got all that in there uh, be easy on yourself go slow Go slow. I, I really enjoyed doing this series. If uh, anybody has any ideas, you can DM me. If uh, you don't want to mess with Patreon, you can DM me on Instagram. It's at Queso Blanco or at Turning of the Bones. Uh, the email link is on my website. If you want to email me with any questions or other ways that you could uh, buy me gifts, if you want to support my uh, fashion my fashion endeavors here in the next couple months a little uh, post pandemic uh, post pandemic uh, what, what's a good I have another P word no no can't think of another P word my post pandemic fashion flair there we go um, yeah shoot me an email shoot me a DM Instagram thank you so much I love you all take care of yourselves be well